1: Hi everyone, welcome back to The Body Serve.
0: I'm James. I'm Jonathan. This is a a different way of recording for us. The very first time
1: that we're recording facing each other. Yeah, so we actually have to look at each other. Mm -hmm. Usually we're right next to each other so we can avoid each other's gaze. The horror that is unfolding
0: right now. (laughs) It already is different in that I have no visual right now on the actual recording in Audacity. Mm -hmm. So everything is up to you, James, to be in control I'll do my best. You already had to give me a countdown as to when we're going to start recording because I couldn't see and you used all five digits on your hand and you finished with one being the middle finger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're both sitting here trying to find a segue into the first topic on the agenda because it's serious stuff.
1: There's no great segue to this, but the invasion of Ukraine by Russia has obviously been a massive humanitarian crisis and it has touched tennis in a number of ways. Ukrainian tennis players have been forced to flee their country. Both Ukrainian and Russian players have been expected to comment on the ongoing invasion. Tennis events in Russia have been cancelled. So far, the players have been pretty much universal in their dissent over what's going on, including most of the Russian players. Quite loudly so as well. Yeah, and we mentioned last episode that there shouldn't be an expectation that Really, anyone makes a public statement about this, but it's kind of amazing to see some of the Russian players speak out against their own government in ways that could potentially put them at risk or their families at risk. And it's always difficult to make judgments about the popularity of a war in a certain country. There's massive dissent in Russia, it seems, about this war as well. So I just want to like caution everybody be very careful about what you're reading and what you're sharing because disinformation and misinformation is a tool of war it might be tempting to look at a gesture like say
0: Andrei rublev writing no war on the camera after winning a match and saying well what what is that even doing you know it's not even that big of a deal but okay how many american athletes would have done something like that or spoken up against the George W. Bush presidency during the
1: time of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, right? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Now, players like Svitolina and Yastremska don't really have the luxury of being neutral here. Yastrzemska, for one, fled the country with her younger sister, leaving her parents there, flew to France, played Lyon, and made the final. Mm -hmm. Right Under very difficult circumstances, Svitolina, on her part, went to Mexico and won a few matches there. She actually said that she wouldn't take the court against a Russian opponent if they were allowed to compete under their country's name and flag.
0: When this happened, there was a good period of, say, a few hours where tennis and specifically the WTA were scrambling Mm -hmm. to figure out how they were going to deal with the situation. The WTA website was evolving in real time where, you know, well, the flag's gone. Our U.S. is gone. You know, how are we going to be labeling these players? And it brought into question the role that sporting bodies and sporting organizations play during times of war. Is it fair for Example, Russian players to be quote-unquote penalized and uh, disallowed from competing internationally while the country that they're from is waging war in another country.
1: Right, and often athletes are used as tools of propaganda during wartime, right? Mm -hmm. The seven governing bodies of tennis, which are the ITF, WTA, ATP, and the Four Grand Slams, got together, released a joint statement and said that Russian players would not be allowed to compete under their flag or the name of their country. The ITF has suspended the Russian and Belarusian federations from all ITF competitions, and they've suspended any forthcoming events in Russia and Belarus. The WTA and ATP have said they've been contacting players from the countries affected, they've been checking on their safety and trying to provide assistance if necessary and where possible. Right, but should Russian players be allowed to compete? Mm -hmm.
0: I hate to be all reductive about it and sound like some pardon interruption talking head mumbo-jumbo, but I think it's a fair question.
1: And it's a question that brings up a lot of other questions. Mm -hmm. Firstly, do you ban players based on the actions of their government over which they have no control? Even though maybe that government uses them as as emblems of that country's greatness. Or, you know, we know that athletes in all over the world are used to promote nationalism, promote national identity and pride and all that.
0: Every country who competes at an Olympic Games are used for those nationalistic purposes. Right. And so
1: sports and politics are always intertwined.
0: Right. But it's important when talking about this issue to include the United States in mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Because often these discussions take for granted or there's an implicit understanding that players from the United States are exempt from these discussions and any war waged or participated in by the United States is righteous. And so we can't point
1: the finger on them. Right. And the other side of the coin is that I follow a lot of like online leftists and tankies on Twitter. And I think we need to understand that just because the West has done something bad, it doesn't mean that other countries cannot also do bad things and are, should be open to criticism, if you know where I'm going. Well,
0: also, it's not just because Western countries have done things and gotten away with It doesn't mean that subsequent Atrocities waged by other countries shouldn't be punished.
1: Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't make this just. Yeah. It's the
0: same line of thinking that it's like, well, so and so did this and didn't get punished for it in tennis. So when so and so does it now, we can't punish them because it's unfair to them. And so everybody just has to get away with everything
1: because my fave. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to get too deep into the geopolitical stuff because. We are certainly not experts in this topic. Like, I, I have no strategic opinions about what should happen next. I obviously don't like what I'm seeing. Mm. And it's an awful tragedy on a large scale. But uh, I kind of want to avoid the politicking.
0: Yeah. But I, I guess where I'm going is that it's important to point out the double standards when you're punching up rather than right. punching down. Mm-hmm. And so there's utility in saying... Well, X player was punished for saying they wouldn't take the court against somebody because of geopolitical considerations, but now, oh, no, we we cannot exclude Russian players. It's just not fair to them because historically it's black and brown people who get penalized in that way. And we tend to view things differently when it comes to white players Mm -hmm. and white people. And this is a thinking and a way of reacting that's kind of uniform across the world and across all aspects of life. I think that's something that has become even more clear to me by watching the situation unfold, not just in tennis, but the way Ukrainian refugees are being welcomed across Europe as opposed to when war is waged against brown people forced their evacuations and nobody had their borders open
1: Mm -hmm. i saw someone talking about this on twitter that the refugee crisis is a crisis for ukrainians when it's people who we perceive as white Mm -hmm. the refugee crisis is a crisis for us for the uk and us governments when it's non-white people trying to enter the country right so there's like that power imbalance and I know we wanted to avoid this, but criticizing how people from different countries are treated, like making black and brown people more free, will make other refugees more free. It's not, mm-hmm. you, do you know what I mean? Like, it'll make it easier to get justice, not less easy. So we should be talking about that stuff. We just. But can- I know where you're where you're going with, you know. I personally. I don't think that Russian players should be banned, but I think it's an interesting discussion how it's been pretty uniformly accepted that they shouldn't, Mm -hmm. where it may may not have been discussed like that, were this another country or another culture.
0: When we are potentially just a few degrees of separation away from nuclear war, right? A couple Mm -hmm. things falling out of place, being misaligned, a couple missteps, and we're there. That's the reality of this current situation. When when that is what we're facing, if there is some utility toward finding a resolution in, in banning Russian players from international sport, why not have all measures on deck? I'm not saying that that's what should happen. I'm saying I don't know. But to your point, and I'm in agreement with you, I don't know enough. And the situation is so volatile that I think it's kind of foolhardy to say definitively that this is something that should not be on the table. I don't know how we come to that agreement. And I suspect that part of that has to do with, well, these are people we consider to be white. (laughs)
1: Mm. You know? So that leads to the next kind of general question is, would banning athletes have a measurable effect on all of this? If, If a government uses athletes to bolster national pride or create propaganda, personally, I don't think it will. Like, this is a massive crisis. This is an ongoing invasion. If Russian athletes can't play tennis, I don't think that's going to change a government's actions. Following that, what's the point? What would be the point of banning athletes?
0: I tend to agree with you, but I also don't know for sure. Oh, sure. And you've done some research here as to what this has looked like historically.
1: Yeah, because I wanted to know what the precedent was. Um, and the only thing I could really think of was apartheid in South Africa, because, you know, there were there were pretty widespread condemnations in the West, in the global north of the apartheid state. Interestingly, only a few years after Jim Crow was uh, mm-hmm. officially abolished in the United States. And America you know, comes out. It's, the... it's easy to shift really yeah. fast. And the European Union also allowed Europe to do that, to shift out of colonialism and become moral leaders of the world, right? Mm-hmm. There is hypocrisy there, but we'll get there. Well, I was familiar with this growing up because of cricket.
0: Yes. South Africa was banned from playing international cricket for, what, 20 years? Yeah, and from
1: 1970 to 1991.
0: Yeah, so I'm going completely from memory or I haven't done new research or looking into it, but I remember it was a big moment When South Africa came back into cricket and on a local level, being from Jamaica and being a lover of West Indies cricket, I grew up with stories of famous, talented, super, really good West Indian players being banned for life because they participated in a so-called rebel tour of South Africa. Mm. I believe in, I want to say the late 70s, early 80s. Somewhere around there, mind you, the West Indies cricket team was so strong at the time that even though these players could make the starting eleven of damn near any team in the world, they were kind of blocked from making the West Indies starting eleven. So a lot of it wasn't the the super cream of the crop. Some of them were players on the back end of their careers, but it was a it was a big it was a big deal. This was a line in the sand that was drawn universally across the world, that this is not something that you do. You simply do not go to South Africa, play on South African soil, nor do you play South Africa, period, because we have taken this stance globally against apartheid. Mm-hmm.
1: What I didn't know that this was largely a, a protest movement led by India. And you you see that in tennis as well. So India led this charge in cricket, in test cricket, in tennis, South Africa was ejected from Davis Cup in 1970. This was thanks to a lot of campaigning from Arthur Ashe. In 1973, they were reinstated, and they won in 1974 kind of by default because India refused to travel to South Africa to compete in the final. This is something we mentioned on a previous like history episode. South Africa was actually the first country outside of the four major tennis powers to win Davis Cup, and they did it because India refused to compete against them. South Africa was brought back to Davis Cup in 73. In 77 and 78, several countries refused to play them again, and they were removed again from Davis Cup in 1979. Now, the difference in tennis, compared to a lot of other sports, cricket most notably, is that individual South African tennis players were not banned. They were among the most free of all the sports, during that apartheid era some south african athletes moved to the u.s and became naturalized to avoid to avoid the possibility of being banned from international competition but it actually didn't happen i think it's safe to
0: say that the the reason there is such a difference between tennis and cricket in this regard is because there is no sport more greatly tethered to colonialism in its implementation and origin than cricket right I mean I wrote a whole master's thesis on this I know <laughs> so if you're not the expert I don't know who is well I'm almost a decade removed from that now so I'm a little <laughs> bit rusty but it was on how West Indian cricket was used as a not the, but as a catalyst for independence movements in the British Caribbean in the middle of the 20th century and that remains today because all of the cricketing powers pretty much anybody who plays cricket on an international level with any skill at all it's because britain brought it through colonialism
1: as a means of social control
0: there ends this history
1: Mm -hmm. lesson so the talk about south africa and apartheid brings up this question of like what are the standards what are the moral standards and who sets those standards in international sports who's allowed to participate Who's allowed to sort of be the judge and jury about what nation's actions are acceptable? Obviously, apartheid is horrible. Nobody's arguing that. However... I'm sure some would. Well, Margaret Court has. Margaret Court would and has. But that doesn't mean that Western countries haven't perpetrated similar and worse Mm -hmm. atrocities, right? And still do. And still do, of course. The United States... I mean, I've seen people say, like... On Twitter, the U.S. has never started an unjust war. And, and I know, having gone through American history, you can turn 18 and believe that. Sure. Right? You can. A lot of that those doesn't pe- mean it's true. A lot
0: of those people have lived through the most recent examples of it. Exactly. So, right, this I- is how George W. Bush becomes a sympathetic figure in his older years, right? Mm-hmm. Because...
1: And we also, we don't learn anything about these, quote-unquote, regime changes in Latin America. Grenada. Invasions in countries and meddling in their affairs and... Literally you know, assassinating heads of state. Right, right. We don't learn about that in school, but it happened. The U.S. did it. You don't even learn about your own history. <laughs> no. Like, Some, critical race let you, theory. Let like... me tell you, we learned so much about the Teapot Dome scandal. I can't... I can't tell you what that is. I don't remember. We learned a lot about... Does it have
0: something to do with the Boston Tea Party? No.
1: We learned about... Was it a Boston Massacre? What was it? It was
0: both. Okay. I did not learn any American history. Those are different events. I grew up learning Caribbean and European history. Nothing about American history. (laughs) Anyway, the point
1: is that tennis was founded by uh, the traditional colonial superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. Tennis was basically invented and institutionalized by the United Kingdom... The USA and France plus Australia. At the time that Wimbledon was established, that tennis was becoming an institution, those countries were colonial powers, right? So as in geopolitics, as in tennis, those countries get to kind of deem what is moral and what is not. And so I say this to kind of express like who gets to say who is banned, which athletes get to play, and again, it's not to say that the actions of the Russian government are just, because they're most certainly not, but we have to hold up that same scrutiny to
0: everything. Yeah, I, I do not have any answers definitively mm. one way or the other. I just think it requires a little bit more interrogation and consideration is all I'm saying. And looking at the at how we get to the conclusions that we've gotten to,
1: which is what you just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little. Con- I'm bad at the conclusions, mm. so thank you. You know, one time I submitted an essay in grad school with literally no conclusion. I got to the end and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm done." You know, we've all done that. So yeah. many
0: of specifically my undergrad essays were. You know, I've I've done a lot of heavy lifting, and how dare you expect me to summarize this in one paragraph? Uh, like, you know, if have you not want- read it?
1: If you want to see the summary, read read it. Like. Make- Anyway, uh, moving on to uh, some greener pastures. The WTA has a new title sponsor, Hologic, which is a global medical device and diagnostics company that focuses on women's health. And a hat tip to Stephanie Lividay, who did a lot of the reporting here for Tennis.com. The WTA hasn't
0: had a title sponsor since Sony Ericsson, since that deal ended in 2010. So that's... 12 years ago, and when you think about the WTA being the largest, most prominent, most rewarding financially sporting organization for women globally that has such a historic origin story that's been around for 50 years, that's kind of
1: crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize it had been so long. That's a lot of money left on the table right? To not have a title sponsor. The, that deal with Sony Ericsson was worth about $15 million per year. And based on Stephanie's reporting, on Christopher Clary's reporting, this deal is worth significantly more. We don't know what exactly. It also comes at a time
0: where the WTA might be struggling a little bit financially because of its stance that it's taken against China, specifically with the Peng Shui situation and having pretty much the entirety of its fall schedule wiped off the calendar because of it. Taking that principled stance, while you already don't have as much money in the coffers as the ATP, it takes some guts. And, you know, historically, throughout the run of this podcast, we've had a lot of folks respond to some of the things that we've said Uh, to chide and deride the WTA as not having done enough. Why don't you do more? Why don't you do this? Why is this so poor? Why is that so bad? Relative to the ATP, right? Their Mm -hmm. spending power, what they're able to do. But this is part of the reason. And it's not just because the WTA is not doing due diligence. If you are a supporter of women's sport, you know just how difficult it is for women Athletes to be taken seriously. Even people who claim to be supporters of women's sport don't watch women's sport. (laughs) It's a lot of lip service. Yeah, yeah. We can't just take the stance that the WTA is not doing enough writ large without us ourselves doing the most we can to change the bottom line from the ground up. You know, because there are structural institutional, societal reasons why this is the case? Sure, there have been missteps. there
1: has been negligence in spots. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've certainly participated in that criticism of, mm-hmm. of the WTA. and um, the point is it's there's
0: more, there's always more. if it's one thing we've learned, I think I can speak for you, while doing this show, is that there's always more going on beneath the surface that, unless you know, you just don't know the full story.
1: Right, right. It would be naive to think that, knowing what we know, that men's sporting organizations are not undermining women's, like, all the time. Oh, they absolutely are. I I mean, some players have let the veil slip a little bit before. Mm -hmm. I mean, the
0: ATP has shown its full hand. By saying let's merge, let's work together, WTA says I'm I'm not I'm not fucking with you China, like we are not going down that route. And the ATP is like, here's our schedule for the full year. Come on down, <laughs> right. come on down, and,
1: all comers. And uh, you know you can decide whether or not you think that the WTA made the right decision about China. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you have to agree with their decision, but they certainly took a principled stance that would see real financial hardship. Mm. Even if you think it's a stupid decision, it was made on principle.
0: Mm -hmm. And how many decisions taken by the ATP can you point to as being principled? (laughs) We'll get to that in a few minutes.
1: It depends what your principles are, I would say.
0: I would argue that are your principles capitalism? I would argue that there are no principles. <laughs> it is just an abject failure to engage with
1: anything. Uh, so going back to this whole logic deal, as you may know, the original title sponsor of the WTA in 1973 was Virginia Slim's Cigarette Company. Mm-hmm. Those are those very luxurious, long cigarettes that were marketed toward women. Mm-hmm. I knew women. Growing up, older ladies who Are you smoked... talking about your grandma? No, no, she did, she did not smoke Virginia Slims. But I knew some older older ladies who smoked those, made them look very cool. There's a famous photo in your family's <laughs> photo album. Let's not go there. <laughs> where
0: grandma <laughs> is holding you in one arm and in the other, a cigarette and a cocktail.
1: yes. Yeah, you know, it was the '80s.
0: <laughs> What's the worst that could happen if some ash got into your bowl cut?
1: <laughs> I was too young for the bowl cut. Okay, <laughs> this was pre-bowl cut. So there, there is a full circle feeling about this deal because the WTA started with a cigarette company. Fifty years later, now they've teamed up with a uh, diagnostics and women's health company. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool, right? In that same spirit of nostalgia, the president of the WTA, Mickey Lawler, says they're working on a campaign called You've Come a Long Way, Baby. I'm excited. Yeah. Nostalgia is the thing. Nostalgia has been in for 50 years, okay? And you know
0: Billie Jean will be out here selling the shit out of that.
1: Until she's dead, Billie Jean King will be promoting her story and the WTA story. They're interchangeable. Mm Mm-hmm. Lawler also says this deal is going to allow them to keep prize money equal to the men at the the top tier events and also increase prize money elsewhere. Now, we know that WTA prize money is only equal at those premier mandatory events. It's not all of those WTA 1000 events, unfortunately. And at some of the lower level events, the 500s and 250s, where there's overlap, the women's tends to be significantly lower. Than men's. Part of that is that the WTA just did not have that kind of money in its coffers. Part of that is tournament owners, sponsors, etc. You want to talk about the principle
0: or lack of principle involved in the latest ATP decision? No,
1: no, we have to talk about perhaps the most exciting development out of this Hologic deal. What is that? I, I hope it's not pronounced some other way because...
0: Notice I have abstained from pronouncing. <laughs> no. I let you take the lead with
1: that. Their first national advertising debut was the Mary J. Blige Super Bowl commercial this year. Crispy chicken. No. Fresh lettuce. No. That one? How dare you. <laughs> and no. She, uh, she was talking about cancer screening. Oh, okay. It's very serious. So do you feel bad now? I don't because that's one of the greatest things I've ever
0: seen. It is, yeah. And uh, I realize if you don't, don't have the context, that may have seemed a little bit off color for me to have said that. So look mm. it up, Mary J. Blige,
1: uh, Burger King commercial, and you'll you'll get what I was referencing. I don't think I don't think she should be ridiculed for the Burger King commercial. I know people roasted her for that. I thought it was fun. I, I don't. Like, I, it was fun. I like the beat. Right. You know where that's from.
0: Right, but it's not for you to think it's okay. That's because that's correct. Yes. You know, black people felt that they were being uh, portrayed in a certain light as being lovers, stereotypically, of okay. fried chicken. Right.
1: Fair. Touche. I will <laughs> I will abstain. Uh, I will strike that from the record and let other people be the judge. Uh-huh. But the the cross promotional opportunities that are available with Mary J. Blige, uh-huh. I mean, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to shed a tear <laughs> on the WTA. You know, think of how that could be applied.
0: I was your lover and your secretary, mm. working every day of the week. I don't know about that. That
1: one won't work? No more drama. Mm, yeah. No more pain. Let's get it percolating in this dance soiree, oh, which apparently is the real lyric. Well, I mean, I feel like we've already given a title for one of our episodes with Dancery in it. <laughs> <laughs> we have. I'm just saying, if if Hologic can say, Mary, we paid you a lot for that Super Bowl commercial. Could you do a little spot for women's tennis? Think of the possibilities.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that WTA needs to get in touch with one Brandy Norwood. Uh, oh. Because Brandy Norwood is out here on Instagram showing you her tennis lessons. She's a big fan. Really? Yeah, she's... How did you not see this? Did I not send it to you? No. Her most recent one, it's like a, a, a cut-up montage video of her practicing her strokes, going from forehand to
1: backhand, and then finishing up at net. She is legit. The next generation of r and Diva tennis fans. Mm-hmm. We had Gladys. We had Aretha. We had Miss Patty. Now we have Brandy Norwood. Was Patty a tennis fan? I feel like... I may be imagining Definitely,
0: that. definitely Gladys and Aretha. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah.
1: I believe Anita Baker as well. Yes. Is a tennis fan. Yes.
0: yes. So we need to get some collaboration going with Brandy. She's celebrating 20 years of her full moon album this year. Legendary. She's on Queen's, which we've been watching. Didn't know Brandy could rap. She's already. she sang. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> no, it's not. With
1: her, it's not a whatever. No. That voice.
0: Well, because we were just watching the latest episode of Queen's. And she did this guitar performance mm. at this open
1: mic thing. And you were like, uh, I don't know if I like the song. And I'm sitting here like Candice from Potomac with my folded up Kleenex like. <laughs> <laughs> the song was terrible.
0: But the point it was, is. It was not terrible. The song was terrible. But you, like you pointed out to me, you still get to hear Brandy sing. It, exactly. Yeah. And we also have a promised Brandy and Mariah collaboration coming imminently. hmm it's mm-hmm. been recorded. They've both talked about it. Mariah supposedly has a new music project coming soon. Hopefully by the, first, the end of the first half of 2022. And she will be part of it. She's of the moment, mm-hmm. Brandy Norwood. Let's, let's make this
1: happen. We went from WTA title sponsor to Brandy Norwood. Mm-hmm. That's just what we do. <laughs> so exciting stuff for the WTA. Let's talk about some less exciting stuff. We have been waiting with bated breath uh, about the decision on Sasha Zverev's potential uh, additional fine, suspension, punishment, whatever. There was most definitely no bated breath. Your breath was not bated. There was no bated breathing. It was just regular breathing.
0: Because this is what I expected. I believe I even (laughs) said as much on air on one of the episodes. You did, yeah. We're going to get some suspended suspension provisional bullshit. From the ATP.
1: Well, you, congratulations. I don't are need the happy? congratulations. You are no, right.
0: I don't need the congratulations. I'm just saying my expectations of the ATP are so low. They are tarring the bottom of the barrel that... They're what? They are calcifying at the bottom of the barrel.
1: Oh, uh, I see. I, I didn't know what that verb was. Yeah. Okay. That this, Your was, this was an eye roll moment for me <laughs> let's talk about the statement for a moment the statement is a, a just a master class in like diversionary tactics quote as a result zverev has been issued an additional fine of twenty five thousand dollars and a suspension for a period of eight weeks from any atp sanctioned event however listen however <laughs> ooh, and anyway, i ooh, This is such (laughs) bullshit.
0: You do not state something so definitively like this has happened, only to then walk it all Mm -hmm. back. I read it and I was like, okay, yeah, here comes the provisional suspension bullshit, only to find out that the fine was provisional too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) However, the fine and suspension are withheld on the condition that, over a probation period ending the 22nd of February 2023, the player does not incur a further code violation that results in a fine for dot, 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 and sportsmanlike conduct or verbal or physical abuse of an official, opponent, spectator, or any other person. But that's a big if. Mm-hmm. A big but. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I could I could not believe the way this was written. It was, do you know that, that doctor from Arrested Development that always shows up when George Bluth was in the hospital? No. He comes I... back and he's like, I'm so sorry, but we've lost him. And the family goes crazy. And like, oh, yes, yes, No, yes. we've, we literally lost <laughs> him. Like, he escaped. <laughs> That's exactly what that was. John Wortham had a, a good way of describing
0: this treatment in saying, I'm going to give you to the count of five to to get your act right. You know, that parenting style?
1: <laughs> oh, right. Like, I'm counting down yeah. from three. Yeah, I think one it was, and a half, yeah. one mm-hmm. and three yeah. quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. Wertheim blasted this decision in his mailbag today. He was more forceful than usual, I would say. He did point out that the ATP is not a league like the NFL or the NBA. ATP players are not employees of the organization, that it's a co-ownership between players and tournaments. However, the organization still has the right and indeed the responsibility to set standards of behavior. They set rules, they set punishments. There's a whole rule book, right? Uh-huh. That governs how the ATP can levy punishments. They
0: say that they're following precedent, right? Quote
1: unquote r- precedent. Yeah. Because other players have done awful things uh-huh. at umpires and have also not really been punished that badly. Does that make it right? I mean, this is not the Supreme Court, guys. No, but the like most are... the most even comparison,
0: I would say, is Nick Kyrios for what happened in Cincinnati 2019. We were there for that.
1: Right. And I, so he, he was given Fergus Murphy a potato. He went back into the tunnel to have this violent outburst. Mm-hmm. So it was different because he didn't direct it at the umpire.
0: Correct. I mean, to be clear, Zverev's is exponentially worse right. than what Kyrgios did. I'm talking about the precedent here
1: mm-hmm. in terms
0: of how the ATP is claiming they're handling this. And um, to my mind, it's worse, way worse. But the I would argue that the punishment meted out is less. It is. Because it is. if you recall, at that time, the ATP decided that not only am I going to provisionally suspend you, put you on probation, whatever all that stuff. Fine you, but I'm going to mandate that you need to see essentially a therapist mm. and that you work on stuff in the off season and that you do all this stuff to come back a better person. Because there's nothing that tennis authorities love to do more than to moralize about black and brown people's behavior in tennis. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, but where where is the moralizing about Zverev's repeated egregious behavior? Right, and I, I want
0: people to realize and remember that this is not... You may see the video going around. It's not just what he did after the match was over. It's what he did when the moment in dispute happened in that third set tiebreak mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. There were two separate incidents in that match. And I can't tell you how many... F bombs he directed at the umpire for verbal abuse alone. And then he did that with his racket.
1: Right. Did that and then went back and did it again. Mm-hmm. So there were actually kind of three different incidents. Uh, Nick Kyrgios was fined $167,000 in Cincinnati. And they would argue that that was based on previous infractions, mm-hmm. accumulated They infractions. actually fined him. Part of that fine was 10% of his earnings for the year. That's how they came up with that number. The point is, this is really embarrassing. This is embarrassing for the sport. In any other sport, the player would at least be forced to sit out a bunch of games. And in tennis, the equivalent would be, okay, you can't play the next tournament.
0: Just last night, Demanta Sabonis for the Sacramento Kings had an incident with an with a referee in the NBA, and today he was swiftly given a one-game suspension. I mean, I don't know exactly what he did, because I didn't see it, but this type of stuff is handled swiftly in other sports, mm. whereas the ATP has to wait for folks to make a stink about it on social media before something happens.
1: Another, You know, another similar incident is David Dalbandian kicking uh, one of the I guess, wood panels on the court and actually injuring one of the lines judges. We don't actually know what the punishment would have been because he retired. That was his last match of his career, right? Um, Daniel Medvedev has had some incidents with umpires. There are other players who have put their hands on umpires in maybe less threatening ways, but also like not okay. It just seems that the umpire is not protected by tennis organizations. And the the
0: reason why we can't make direct comparisons to what's happened in the past is because this stuff is escalating. Mm-hmm. This is not happening inside a vacuum. These are, if not repeat by the same offenders, repeat incidents by different players and they keep getting worse. So you say, well, Karolina Pliskova did this and she didn't have this happen. Duh, 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 duh. Okay, but multiple... Things have happened since then with other players, and this was way worse than that. So the punishment now should not be akin to what happened
1: then. You can't say that. Right. And also, like, okay, establish a new precedent. Yeah. As I said, this is not the Supreme Court. Exactly. Right? And also, what is
0: important to you? Mm -hmm. Is it protecting Zverebo at all costs?
1: Because that's what it appears. That's a rhetorical question. I,
0: I don't know if that's the point, but that's what it looks like. Is it protecting all your little boys and men's at all costs, because it's not just Mm Varev. Do you have any desire to protect umpires and have them feel safe in their workplace? Do you have any? Because this is your chance to nip this in the bud, to say once and for all, we are not going to put up with this. Because I guarantee you, if you make an example of somebody, it's going to stop. Yeah. It's as
1: simple as that. And obviously... Players have a lot more bargaining power in this arrangement than umpires do. And umpires are a mix of employees and independent contractors. And it's not like umpires are just going to organize en masse as a bargaining unit and strike. Mm -hmm. And the onus shouldn't be on them to take action here.
0: Thank you to Victoria Kesa for giving us some background knowledge and info on that. kind of
1: explaining, you know, the employment relationships and stuff. But, you know, why should umpires have to withdraw their labor to establish some kind of safe working condition? Mm-hmm. I, I realize that's how a lot of labor movements have started and and have changed laws. But this is a major sport. It's just embarrassing all around.
0: Right. But your employers have essentially told you that you are disposable. That well, You're yeah. already in a precarious working environment, safety-wise, and... Safety job security, period. Yeah. So, Uh,
1: if you're not even an employee of one of these organizations, you're just a contractor, you don't actually have the right to strike, first of all. And, this could undermine your ability to find work in the future. So, it just, these seem like very easy fixes to me. Will men's tennis collapse if Alex Vero doesn't play three tournaments? no. 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 That's very obvious. Even in the absence of stars, tennis is a is a sport that can endure a lot of different changes, right? Like, tennis is not built on one star. And Zverev, even if it was, Zverev is not that star.
0: No. And every time there's been a vacuum, somebody has filled the void. Right. There may not have been... There may be lulls. Yeah, there may not have been many people who filled the void to create compelling rivalries at any given time. But whenever you're worried about what's happening, like the just dire situation in men's tennis at the end of the 90s into the early 2000s <laughs> mm-hmm. somebody comes along to fix it or at least create something that's worth watching you know it might not be what it was before it may not reach the heights of the big 3 it certainly will not but it'll it can be compelling we mm-hmm. saw glimpses of this at the 2022 Australian Open set aside Nadal even if Nadal hadn't played there were still interesting men's matches The ATP can survive without the Big Three if the ATP makes the proper investments and decisions Mm -hmm. about its future. And we are here to say that that is not Alexander
1: Zverev. Well, I think they think it is. Just based on the organization's movements over the past few years, I think they've invested a lot in him and they believe he's the future. I could be wrong. I, um... I disagree with you insofar as I think they would do this for damn near Mm. anybody in his position. Well, fair enough. On to Indian Wells. Mm -hmm. This week it became apparent that the number two seed, Novak Djokovic, was still on the entry list Mm -hmm. well into this week.
0: This whole situation really had people's heads spinning in, in, in their reaction to it. And to an extent,
1: I don't blame them. After what we went through in Australia, (laughs) right? Because the first reaction is, not again. That was my response. Not this.
0: It was an audible
1: groan up here in Toronto, Ontario. And the thing is, like, people were thinking, is he going to pull another stunt? Is this another stunt? Well, that was one reaction. Mm -hmm. Because in the days leading up to it,
0: Ben Rothenberg started tweeting, we're X number of days, X number of hours (laughs) away from the draw. And Novak Djokovic is still in the draw. He hasn't withdrawn. And you're like, okay, Ben, you're doing a lot here. Uh, right. Okay, let's let us simmer down a bit.
1: But then... But then it but was... Then, maybe you know something I don't. Because he remained in the draw. Uh, for... not, even, not even you know
0: something we don't. <laughs> it was like, you expect this to just be handled. For Novak, who is... Automatically entered into this tournament, being mm-hmm. Indian Wells. That's just the way it works. To be on top of it, to be able to have the wherewithal and the cognizance to not have this chicanery unfold. <laughs> to be like, it's, well, tomfoolery. My tomfriggery, as I like. I, I like to think that <laughs> I have coined that now because I googled it and I didn't really see any I, other.
1: I think you have coined it because
0: I've never heard it. <laughs> Uh, a mashup of tomfoolery and friggery. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just thought that perhaps given the international debacle that unfolded with his middle of the night trip to Australia. Mm. And the just hard to believe scenes that unfolded in the following week. That he would have his people just him. Mm. That this should never have even been a thing. The tournament should never have even had to issue a clarification as to what's going on. I mean, it's it's wild.
1: It is. And so one line of thinking is that, okay, there is actually a penalty for withdrawing from Masters 1000 events if you don't have a medical reason, like if you're not injured. So there's a ranking penalty and you can be suspended from a subsequent Masters event if you pull out of a Masters 1000 without an injury. And if you don't submit to a medical exam or you don't do the promotional activities, but you can only do those things if you're on site, right? So if you're out of the country and you pull out and you've qualified for this, you're subject to the penalty. So my first question was, would the ATP levy this penalty against Djokovic? No. Even though he cannot legally enter this country.
0: We have seen the things that the ATP have had just cause to levy sanctions (laughs) for, and they will not.
1: The way the rules are written, it's very clear. It's not, like, optional. That's a
0: rule that many people don't even know about. So I guarantee you that was not on the forefront. But
1: Fam knows about it. So I said, well, you know, let me do my due diligence and look up this rule and understand it. Okay, but the tournament didn't even know what was going on. They came
0: to social media to say, hi, folks, we don't know what's going on. We've reached out to these folks and we have not heard. So if this were a concern, these are discussions that should have been happening behind the scenes to the extent and the point where Indian Wells knows
1: about it. Yeah. And so I can't imagine that the tournament is super pleased about this development because the draw has been made and now there's a hole in it. And Grigor Dimitrov has to fill the slot of the number two seed. Great for him. Not exactly fair for anyone else. Mm-hmm. For the lucky loser who would have gotten that spot. Mm-hmm. For Let's just say this isn't Craig Tiley, okay? Let's start there. Meaning what? As in Craig Tiley and Novak are close. Mm-hmm. They're friends. Craig demonstrated throughout January that he was willing to jump through hoops and go as far as, I want to say, misrepresent what happened in order to get Novak into Australia. Okay, but I'm saying... He was walking over hot coals for Novak. Right. Indian Wells, not going to do that. Okay. The inaction on
0: Djokovic's part to withdraw from this tournament in a timely manner has created that vacuum for those thoughts to run wild which is, is
1: exactly what happened yes. in November and December as he's like oh oh i'm just going to leave you in suspense mm-hmm. but
0: i think the charitable view here and to be clear he does not deserve this charity <laughs> but the charitable view is that this was just negligence straight up negligence not not reading an email not writing an email you know okay but the fallout from it I think that's the most logical explanation for this. Thinking perhaps that, well, I can't come here. Y'all should know I can't come here. Like, just deal with it. You know? (laughs) Fair enough. I think that's a Uh, a distinct possibility. mm -hmm. But again, if I'm in his position having to contract the BBC to help me out from a PR perspective based on the fallout from Australia, this is something that I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's.
1: You just spend all that money on PR... It's such an unforced error. To be very clear, I'm not mad about this. No. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's unfair to some players in the qualifying draw, but a lot of things about tennis are deeply unfair. This is just more like confusion. <laughs> like why? Why did you allow this to happen? Because he said in that interview with the BBC that he's willing to miss tournaments over his vaccine stance, but what he's telling us here is that yeah, I will, but I'd like really prefer not to. Like, I have a heavy preference not to miss those tournaments. <laughs> See, this is the this is this is the thing, right? Because <laughs> is so is it this grand principled stance where you will sacrifice everything at this altar, or is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm being
0: charitable here in saying uh, what I'm I've I'm said. Not, yeah, that's but I'm saying that's totally fair given everything that's happened. Everybody who's willing to think the worst, that is totally reasonable at this point. You can't even be mad at it. Of course, some can be mad at it and will be, but uh, it's, it's so unnecessary, such an unforced error. And, and Tennis does not need any help in looking more amateur and delinquent. Mm. His tweet today was another unforced error. He tweeted, quote, while I was automatically listed in the at BNP Paribas Open and Miami Open draw, I knew it would be unlikely I'd be able to travel. The CDC has confirmed that regulations won't be changing, so I won't be able to play in the U.S. Good luck to those playing in these great tournaments. See so, you know, okay. mentioning the CDC here and also in the tournament statement mentioning CDC guidelines That's where people are then making the leap. Well, is he actually trying to pull a stunt here? Like, is he waiting to the last minute for rules to change or
1: whatever? What was going to change between Tuesday and Wednesday? You could have made this decision before the draw came out. Yes, that is the deadline. It has to be made before
0: the draw comes out. You're well within your right to wait up until that moment. Because in these COVID times, rules do change very quickly all the time. I mean, if he wanted to wait and see if that was going to change, perfectly fine by me. But you do not let the draw come out and have this confusion happening Mm. and then try and pass the buck that it's somebody else's fault.
1: I was automatically listed. You've been playing this sport for what, 16, 17 years? That's how it works. Mm -hmm. You qualify based on ranking and you are automatically on the entry list. (laughs) You have to pull out if you don't want to play. I just found that that whole thing just rang very false. Mm -hmm. Anyway, enough about that. Also pulling out, Ash Barty, your number one seed. Uh <laughs> she is she does not does not want to play on hard courts in the US, period. She issued a statement saying that she
0: has not recovered physically from her run to the Australian Open title, that she hasn't been able to practice and she's not where she needs to be to play this way. And people are like, girl, okay. you won every match six two six 6 Like <laughs> what's going on here? It's been a month, it's been a minute.
1: Right, but uh, as a professional athlete, they are—they are not here to be our playthings, right? They can choose where to play and where not to, and accept the penalties if those come. Mm-hmm. And if these tournaments require a medical
0: reason, that's the medical reason given, whether it's real or not. You need a reason. Mm. right
1: right so to novak's credit he could have easily said oh my leg hurts and that would count as a a medical reason right not even necessarily
0: credit but he could have said that and that would have been fine too it would have been like well we know you don't have the vaccine that's why you're not coming (laughs) but at the end of the day nobody would have batted a but in that
1: sense he is standing on principle is what i'm saying to just give a little you know wow give the least that is the charity that you give on this episode that's that's it (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I, you know, I can't lie. I was a little disappointed that Ash has pulled out of both. mm -hmm. She's a former champion in Miami. She's your number one player, number two seed. Barbara Krejčíková had a real shot at number one, which, I mean, would throw tennis into absolute chaos. She might be forced to get (laughs) another kit at that point, right? So Krejčíková has also pulled out. Also after the draw was made, with a elbow injury. I would like to say, following this, back
0: to this Noback story, following this in the last few days, I was like, has he withdrawn? Scrolling through Twitter, has he withdrawn? Asking people, has he withdrawn? I would have appreciated an account like, did Marin Cilic win? <laughs> has Barbora Krejcikova gotten a new kit? And for them to just tell me yes or no, that would have been helpful mm-hmm. in the last couple days.
1: Um, I saw a new account called, did a lesbian win? Oh, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Love it.
0: <laughs> has the account has a lesbian been beaten by Petra Kvitova been formed mm-hmm. yet? I think it's <laughs> deeply intertwined with the Kvitova beef. <laughs> this is not to say that Petra is homophobic. No, no. It's just a, it's a an ongoing joke on tennis Twitter that she seems to bring her best against, against... the lesbian. <laughs> I don't know who made that observation at one point, but it's become a thing. (laughs) But back to Ash here. We can't celebrate the way that the Williams sisters moved through the tennis world and were much derided in the moment, in the mid-2000s, and now celebrate that it was wise to now look at Ash Barty after how her career started and do the same thing to her in 2022. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's reasonable. Mm -hmm.
1: And the same goes for someone like Naomi or really any other top player who wants to plan their schedule that way. It, I mean, the WTA would really prefer that you play a lot of WTA events. Oh. That's that's clear. But as fans, sure, you want to see your faves, but like you also want your faves to have longevity. You want them to be well-rounded, <laughs> have other interests. If they don't play a full schedule, uh, what are you gonna do?
0: Like, yeah, if you can't get your world number one to play regularly, that is a problem for the WTA. Not that it's their fault, but it's absolutely within their right to feel aggrieved by it. Right? You right, want your top right. players to support the tour level events, not just at the Grand Slams. Yeah. The survival of the tour depends on these players turning up at multiple events repeatedly and consistently throughout the season. Mm-hmm. We are also still in the middle of a pandemic. Ash Barty was on the road for, what, six, seven months in a row last year, not being able to go home. Mm. Maybe she doesn't want to do that again this year. (laughs) (laughs) Rules are a little bit different, but it's still challenging. Mentally, emotionally, it's still challenging. She's somebody who had to take a break from the game at, what, 16, 17 years old. Didn't know if she wanted to continue playing. Has come back, made it all the way to number one. Perhaps she has a greater sense of what's right for her career-wise emotionally to be able to continue to do this job let's be clear here Mm. it's still a job in a lot of ways it's a privilege to be a professional athlete but it's a job right and it's not for us to sit here and conflate rules are the rules you need to do this because the rules say you should do this when in fact we're conflating our own personal expectations on these athletes to perform for us right there's a lot at play
1: here and to be clear ash did not leave tennis to play cricket right Mm -hmm. like that that was something she did during her retirement but that's not why she left like she was struggling as a teenager having this be her job um and she's been very open about that and so like naomi i think we need to take these players at their word that you know, not playing, being really particular about their schedule is maybe part of, like, maintaining their own mental health. Not to get, uh, you know, not to pathologize here, Mm -hmm. but just to say that, like, taking care of yourself is important.
0: Yes, I agree. It's also better to give grace and the benefit of the doubt than to immediately chastise. Mm -hmm. Unless the opposite
1: of what we were doing uh, ten minutes ago.
0: Unless you are a multiple offending male <laughs> tennis player or just a man in general men mm-hmm. tend to not deserve benefits of the doubt wow the three strikes rule do
1: you hear that
0: the an industrial complex what, what is here? that
1: word that
0: it's going to be levied at me now Um uh, misanthrope what am i a misandrist a misandrist mm-hmm. that's what i am which I is is not a, actually a thing but uh, yeah mm-hmm. right i i should hope the men's rights activists stay away <laughs>
1: I will say that like hating men is not even that interesting anymore. It's so not. It's like not. this is
0: 2022. Like men have deserved to be hated for centuries no, and
1: weren't. I'm No, I'm saying that like <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Like uniformly saying men suck, like it's it's not that interesting. You have to rise to a higher level Do we? of analysis Do we? at this point.
0: Does the discourse have to be higher?
1: Yeah. Oh my god, somebody said you were you were like evincing a late twenty tens version of social justice warrioring. I mean? Yeah, yeah. When was that? They, one? I don't know. What was one of these troll responses to one of your threads or something? Oh. I mean late twenty tens. It was not that long ago. No.
0: Hmm. Anyway. I mean I've I've just had a lot of stuff levied at me lately. I c I can't keep straight. Can't keep it straight. I'm a I've been uh, guilty of digital blackface lately, too. Mm, yep.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go there? Or... I don't. Okay.
0: Because anyway. ultimately, it's none of anybody's business for you to sit there and make a judgment mm. on what somebody is yeah. based on what you
1: think they look like. Mm. It's, very... it's an interesting choice. Layla Fernandez has defended her title at Monterey for her second career WTA title, beats another breakout from last year, Camila Osorio, who has settled on just the two names. Mm-hmm. Shout out to TikTok Tennis for
0: their little interview snippet segment thing that they did with Camila at that tournament. You really get a sense of her personality mm. off the court, which kind of matches her personality on court as well. <laughs> kind of
1: a delight, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. The man behind TikTok tennis has been doing these short interviews with players, which are great. He's also trying to come for my pun crown. Oh. Yeah. You have a pun crown? That sounds so weird. Uh, <laughs> I love writing punny titles, whatever, but. Oh, like with the titles of the episodes? Yes. Okay.
0: I, I still think you are undefeated. He may try, but he has not taken you down <laughs> There's just room. yet. There's room for everyone. He's keeping you honest, he's keeping you on your toes. <laughs> so tiktok tennis literally you can go to tiktok and watch these like minute long videos on tiktok if you are on tiktok and after the pandemic if you're not on tiktok what are you doing i mean that's all you do now you make recipes and cook for me based on what you see on tiktok you make a mean sesame chicken now it's restaurant
1: grade (laughs) restaurant it really is thank you so back to monterey Layla wins the title there was a very weird moment late in this match It's 5-6 in the third set. Deuce. The lights flicker in the middle of a point. Osorio won that point. Layla asked for a let. The umpire did not grant a let. And so now we're at match point for Camila. The lights are like still half on. Um, Something's going on with them. So the umpire said, okay, players, let's wait. Let's pause until they fix the lights. Apparently the lights had to be shut off for a while to cool down or something and so there was a 15 minute suspension at match point for camila mhm in the final in the final they come back layla wins the next three points of that game to get it to a tie break and then wins the tie break 7-3 wins the match all told she saved what five match points <laughs> yes and i guess some people on tennis twitter feel that layla is a complainer or a bad sport if the lights are flickering during point i'm complaining Period. Like, I. That, that's it. I'm going to ask for a lot. Does that make me a Karen? Uh, <laughs> I can't
0: speak to Miss Layla's situation, but if you're asking me to imagine you as a tennis player, mm-hmm. I think you most definitely would be a Karen on court.
1: An Ostapenko? Perhaps? No. No. A Serena? No. You're pick,
0: not, pick a... You're not going to like it. An analog. You're not going to like it. Uh, give, give it to me. More like a Wozniaki. Wow. <laughs> that is so beyond the pale. Because while I think Caroline presented herself as, you know, really erudite in her arguments, uh-huh. in her legal Same arguments. that I'm not. No, I think the difference would be that you would actually be very learned and being able to like... <laughs> You know, but get to the heart of the matter, but you may present yourself in the same way.
1: I would never say, have you gone to school? Okay. Okay. I yes. would never demean someone Agree.
0: Like that. Agree. But I think um, you would take a more academic route about it, provided you're able mm.
1: to keep your temper in check. Right like build a case methodically like Meredith Marks on the Solid City reunion. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have the self-control to build a case. That's why I'm saying I'm probably more like a Serena.
0: Mm -hmm. I can't imagine you as a 23-time Slam champion.
1: (laughs) I'm just going to say, don't think you have the talent for it. totally fair. In anything, (laughs) in any field... (laughs) A shout-out again to Stephanie Livaday, who's writing for Tennis.com, who also wrote a story about the lack of WTA events in South America. Uh, this came about because we've just had the Columbia event. Camila Osorio is a native of Colombia, and last year was able to use Bogota as a real springboard for her career. But there is only currently one WTA event in South America. Mm-hmm. There's four on the ATP side, which is you know, is not a ton, but those Argentinian events on the ATP side have really helped create this this funnel, like this pipeline of Argentine men's champions. We got an update on the return of Roger Federer in the last week or so.
0: Well since our last episode. At first it was kind of gloom and doom saying, oh dear, he's not gonna be back for Wimbledon. It's mm. not it's not happening, folks.
1: Which we knew. It was a very, very long shot. Mm, I don't... mm, Yeah, I guess.
0: But, like, it's still grass. He could just show up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's possible. There aren't that many lead-up tournaments anyway.
1: But even he said it was... Mm -hmm. That that was, like, best, best best-case scenario. Right.
0: But when we initially get that news, it seemed like maybe the recovery isn't going well, period. Like, you Mm -hmm. just didn't really know. And then we get a clarification that he's gotten the okay that he's going to be practicing with Mirka, that's how he's going to start, mm. and that he will be back, hopefully, late summer
1: into the fall season. Okay. In time for Labor Cup, perhaps. Probably, yeah. Varvara Lepchenko mm-hmm. has been given a four-year ban from the sport uh, under the anti-doping process. Eligible to return in 2025. Just before the U.S. opened last year, she was provisionally suspended for uh, having metabolites of andrafinil or modafinil in her sample. These are both stimulants that are prohibited under the WADA code. You may remember that she was also popped for mildrinate, popularly known as meldonium, mm. in, uh, well, 2015... At the very end of 2015 is when that sample was taken. She was cleared because she apparently stopped taking it just before it was banned. And, you know, that became a news story because Maria was still taking it in early 2016. She hadn't read her emails. Right. Varvara read the emails and she stopped. But, you know, it doesn't prevent you from being tarred and, and people remember that, you were mentioned for testing positive at that time even if you didn't technically break any rules but the independent tribunal said that she she basically didn't demonstrate that the use of these drugs weren't intentional and at that stage it's the player's burden to prove that the use was unintentional which is actually how diane got got out of the ban that they believed her story that the use of those those drugs were was inadvertent. inadvertently ingested. Exactly. So a four-year ban at the age of 35, that feels like all she wrote. Is she 35 or is she, she 30? Is. She's 35. Oh, I don't know why I thought that 19... she was 30
0: would yeah. be coming back as 35. 1986.
1: Yeah, that, does, that doesn't that does sound good. Yeah.
0: Unless there is some appeal that can
1: fix this. Yeah, I think we're at the end of the road. Christy Ahn has officially announced her retirement... The last time we saw her was in qualifying at the U.S. Open, but many will remember her kind of most memorable run at the 2019 U.S. Open, reaching the round of 16, beating Kuznetsova and Ostapenko. Wrapped like a mummy. Yeah. And this retirement, you know, probably comes at the great relief of her parents, but <laughs> she's still a TikTok star. She did such great work in the early days of the
0: pandemic when there was yes. no tennis with providing us some entertainment. Mm. She's talked many times about how her parents don't understand why she (laughs) wants to be a tennis player, that she should be doing something more academic, and that this is part of being a child of Asian American parents, specifically Asian American immigrant parents, right? Mm. But she charted her own path, and while... She was never a world-beater. She was somebody who was always affable, charming, tried her ass off to achieve what she did achieve in tennis, and that is equally admirable in my book. Does that bring us to the end of this episode? It sure does. It's been a few weeks since we've sent out the last of our GoFundMe mailings, so I hope I know that everybody who submitted their address has received what they should have received. Mm-hmm. If for some reason you haven't, get in touch with us. We can still put something in the mail or if we did and it didn't reach, we can do it again. That's totally acceptable and fine.
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm James. You can find me at Elliot JMR on Twitter. Two L's, two T's. I'm Jonathan at Tennis underscore
0: John. Find everything body serve related at linktree.com slash the body serve. It's been a while since we've solicited uh, reviews from y'all. If you enjoy the show, if you like what we do, please uh, go to iTunes or wherever. I guess it's Apple Podcasts now, right? Or I I can't keep that up. I don't know. Wherever you can put a a review publicly in the intersphere internets, (laughs) please do that. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Thank
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.